I want you to picture this with me. Jesus has died on the cross. He's risen from the grave. He's been chilling out with the disciples a little while, showing them some last things. And it's time for him to permanently return to heaven. The disciples know that in the human form, this is the last time they're ever going to see Jesus. So you would think that when he's about to say something, they're going to listen to what he has to say. You would think that when the last words are about to come out of his mouth, those are something important he wants them to hear. That's not the time that he's cutting a joke. It's not the time he's chilling. It's the time that he's saying, hey, I've got just a few more seconds and I want you to understand something. And he looks at the disciples and he gives them something that theologians refer to as the great commission. He commissions them with their mission in life. He gives them a charge, if you will, a motivational speech. He casts vision on them one last time, and he does it in such a simple way, yet powerful way, that it's literally referred to as the Great Commission. It is the responsibility that is given to us as believers. It's not just any commission. It's not just a suggestion that he gave them. He didn't look at the disciples and say, hey, I got an idea that might be cool if you did. He said, I'm giving you one last charge. And I would think as a disciple, oh, by the way, we're disciples of Jesus. We've chosen to follow him. We would take heed of the last commission he's ever given to us. And here's what he said in Mark 16, 15. He said unto them, go into all the world. Well, I just hit puberty. My voice cracked. Finally, 42. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. The gospel literally means the good news of Jesus Christ. He said, you're to go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. He gives this commission, don't miss, don't miss this, to the disciples, to everyone when that was standing there. This was not a commission given to just pastors. It was not a commission just given to missionaries. It was not a commission just giving to the elders. It was not a commission just giving to the leaders. It was a commission given to all the church. Don't get caught up in the word preach. That word literally means to proclaim. He says, I'm telling you to go out and tell everyone the good news. What is the good news? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Somebody say amen today. If I got to be quick, you got to be alive today. I know you're a bunch of white folks and you don't know how to get loud in church, but let's try for one Sunday. I got beige pants on. I don't feel like I can preach today, so I need a little bit of encouragement from the crowd today. He said, listen, listen, listen. I want you to go out and tell everybody that it's all about the grace that I sent my son to die on the cross for the sins of the world. And he gave them a commission to go out into the world. Action Church exists. For one reason and one reason only. In case you were ever mistaken about why this church exists, let me give it to you real, real quick. We exist to reach those that are far from God. 
The last thing Canton needed seven years ago when we started this church was another church. You can't throw a rock in this town without hitting a church. There's big churches. There's small churches. There's white churches and black churches and Baptist churches and Methodist churches and and, uh, charismatic churches. There's modern churches and traditional churches and, and all kinds of churches. Seven years ago, there was 987 churches in Cherokee County. Canton didn't need another church. But what it did need was a group of people who were gathered together who were willing to reach those that are far from God. And Action Church was born. And listen, there's a lot of great churches that do a lot of great things that we don't necessarily do. I don't think it makes us better than them. We just know our mission. We know at the end of the day, one thing and one thing only matters. And nothing else matters We're to reach those that are far from God. I feel like the church in general has become about everything and anything but the main thing. We're more interested in traditions than we are the main thing. We're more interested in buildings than we are the main thing. We're more interested in denominational beliefs than we are the main thing. We're more interested in our political beliefs than we are the main thing. Most sadly... We're more interested in our preferences than the main thing. We don't come to the church and ask ourselves, what can we give to the church? What can we provide to the church? We come to the church and say, what can it give us and what can it provide us? We suck and we suck and we suck and we're leeches. And all around us, our community dies and goes to hell not knowing there's a God who loves them. That has a plan for their life and a purpose for their life. The main thing in everything that we do is to go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. The main thing of why we exist. And listen, I get it. That might not be the main thing for you. And we might not be the church for you. I understand that and there's no hurt feelings over that. But the main thing here is it's all about reaching people for Jesus. It's about taking those who would never darken the doors of a church, who maybe don't feel accepted in church, who maybe been outcast or are thrown out of the church, who, who maybe been, no, nah, the church wouldn't judge anybody, would they? No. It's about reaching people who are far from God. There's a great story in the Bible. It's, it's an emotional story to me. It's one of those stories that early in my walk with Jesus shaped my ideology and shaped my theology of what I believe. The Bible says this in Mark 2. Once again, I love that it starts there. You keeping up, Lynn? Tanya? Oh, I ain't yelling at Tanya. Tanya, baby, you take as long as you need. I play favorites around here. The Tanya spirit, you can't yell at her. Once again, now I like that it says once again because that implies that it had happened before. It implies that this wasn't just a one-time thing. This was just kind of the M.O. of Jesus. Once again, there he goes. You ever met somebody like that? There they go again, being a jerk. There, there they go in, spouting off. Oh, yes, I want so spouting again. There, oh, once, once again. 
Once again, Jesus went beside the lake, and a large crowd came to him, and he began to teach them. As he walked along, he saw Levi sitting at the tax collector's booth. Now, Levi goes on, and his name is Matthew. So to put that in context, Levi is Matthew. Back then, it was very symbolic to change your name. So this is Levi is Matthew. And so um, where am I at in my birth? He walked along, he saw Levi sitting by the tax collector's booth. Guess why Matthew was sitting in the tax collector's booth? Because he was a tax collector. Guess who was the crookedest people of the day? Yeah. Guess who was thought about as some of the most evil and dirtiest people of the day? Tax collectors. They were outcasts. Because here's the deal. They would collect the kings or whoever, the pharaoh, whoever had set their own. Maybe it was 5%. They were allowed to come along and charge 20%, 15%, whatever they wanted and keep the rest. And you couldn't do anything about it. They were just crooks. They were thought of by the religious as the lowest of the low. They were classified with the drunkards and the, the uh, leopards and the outcasts. And here's Levi sitting in the tax collector. Guess why he was sitting in the tax collector's booth besides the fact that he was a tax collector? Because he's collecting taxes. I know, I'm, I'm deep. <laughs> Took all them years of Bible college to get that. So not only is he a wicked dude, he's doing what they actually hate him for at this moment. <laughs> he was a pimp. He just walked by. He said, follow me. He said, he don't say, hey, how you doing? I'm Jesus. He don't walk by and say, man, you know, you're ripping the people off. and y'all. He just walks by and says, Follow me. That's power right there. Like that's when you can just come, like when you walk by and you're like, follow me. I tried that on my first date with Christine. Remember that time I told you I fell down the steps and had a black eye? Five years later I can confess that's not why I had a black eye. Follow me. Now here's what's amazing to me. Levi got up and followed him. Tax collectors were wicked, but they were powerful. They didn't take commands from people. But he saw Jesus, and there was something different about Jesus. And Jesus walks up, and he says, come, follow me. And Levi got up and followed him. Now check this out. While Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house. So Matthew's so blown away by Jesus, he invites him to his house for dinner. Again, you've got to understand the context of this. Dinner was a huge deal in this day and time. Matter of fact, it might have been the biggest deal in this day and time. I saw on Facebook a lot of y'all last night went and saw Kylie's band play. You went and you hung out and you shared a meal together and you fellowshiped and you had community. Or, or maybe a lot of you, you went to see someone else's band last night or you went to the movie with a group of people or you did whatever. In this day and time, there were no movies. There was no Rocco's with Kylie's band playing at it. There really wasn't a lot of restaurants. Every town maybe had one pub, one bar that, had, that served food. There wasn't restaurants in this day and time. So the way they did life together is they shared a meal together, and it was the biggest honor for someone to invite them to their house and let me serve you and let me provide food for you and let me provide relaxation for you and let me provide entertainment for you. So here's Matthew, the tax collector, the wickedest of the wicked, the person that most people would have never hung out with. Don't miss this. The only people that would have hung out with him 
were people like him. So many tax collectors and sinners. I like how they classified them together. Somebody say amen. amen. Tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples. For there were many who followed him. So Matthew says, come to my house and eat. Oh, by the way, I got some friends coming over. Oh, by the way, they're all sinners and tax collectors. I know you're Jesus. You say you're the Messiah. I got all the riffraff coming over to hang out. Kind of like Action Church on Sunday morning. When the teachers of the law, the teachers of the law were the religious people of the day. Imagine that. Who were Pharisees, saw him meeting with, again, tax sinners and tax collectors. That's the disciples. Why does he eat with sinners and tax collectors? I always get a kick up. He said the Bible's complicated. This ain't complicated. Matthew, bad dude. Jesus says, come follow me. Bad dude says, come eat with me. I'm bringing more bad dudes for you to eat with. Jesus says, I'm coming. I'm hanging out. The religious of the day look at Jesus and be like, thought he was religious, thought he loved God. Look who he's hanging out with. He hangs out with those people. Y'all heard that before? Oh, you go to that church? <laughs> the all Pharisees, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? I like how Jesus responds, though. It goes over like screen doors on a submarine. What I love about Jesus is this, because here's the deal. Notice they didn't go to Jesus and ask. Because God forbid they had the testicular fortitude to go to the person they have an issue with. They'd rather mumble. We don't do anything like that, do we? They'd rather mumble. But Jesus overheard it, and Jesus confronts it. And look what he says. On hearing this, Jesus said to them, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. He looks at him and says, where do you think I would be? Oh, you want me to hang out with the religious people and we can sit around and argue about the Bible all day long. We can sit around and debate about the Bible all day. We can sit around and talk about which candidate has God's blessing all day. We can talk about this. So, so you want me just to hang out in, in, in Bible terms. This would be like, 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 two, like getting together and, and the church loves to debate about whether speaking in tongues or not speaking in tongues or uh, if baptism gets you to heaven or it doesn't get you to heaven. All the stuff that I don't really care about. And, and like, so you, like, you just want me to sit around and talk uh, about religious things all day. He said, I didn't come to do that. I came for the sick. It's the sick people who need the doctor. He said, I didn't leave the glory of heaven to come hang out with the religious. I came to hang out with the people who you have considered outcast. I believe Jesus said, hey, if you were doing your job to begin with, I wouldn't need to be here. Who I'm going to regret this. Seven years ago, Canton didn't need another church. But if most of the churches had been doing their job, we wouldn't need to have started a new church. But it needed a place where those far from God could come and feel. It needed a place where those who don't even believe there is a God can come and feel loved and feel accepted and at their own pace. 
and their own working of the Holy Spirit in their life, they could be drawn to God. It needed a place where those who felt like they weren't accepted in a certain church because of their social standing or their skin color or their sexual preference or, or what kind of car they drove or what kind of how many times they'd been married or how bad their kids were or whatever stupid reasons people throw people out of churches or don't accept them into churches. It needed a place where those people could come in and say, you know what, man? Everybody at that place don't look like me and everybody at that place don't act like me and God forbid everybody at that place don't believe like me. But dang, if there ain't one one thing in common and the thing we all got in common is Jesus loves us and that church loves us and there ain't nothing you can do about it it needed a place like that this is an emotional verse to me because it lets people know Jesus came for the sick we didn't start action church to form a holy huddle every Sunday morning we didn't come to be a church for those who have it all together I remember walking into an apartment years ago. At one time, our church owned a thrift store, and so we had someone donate a bunch of stuff to us. And we walked in, and as before we walked in, there was a police officer at the apartment. I said, oh, what's going on? He said, well, we didn't want to tell you because we didn't think you'd come. He said, but this apartment, the man murdered the girlfriend, and this apartment's got to be cleaned out, and we just thought you guys could use it for the thrift store. I said, oh, okay, awesome. I said, we've cleaned most of it up. I said, awesome. So we walk in, and I don't think I've ever shared this story before. And that's a rarity. I only got a few stories. And we're, we're moving stuff, and I pick up a table, and something falls out of the table. And it was a first-time guest card from Action Church. The police officer looked at me, and I know he wasn't trying to be a jerk. He said, yeah, I guess y'all didn't do too good of a job reaching that one. And I saw his point. I chose to look at it a little bit different. I looked at it as, yeah, that sucks, and it's horrible. But here's a guy who, for whatever reason, whatever was going on in his life was at the end of his rope and was about to ruin his life, and who was frustrated. He was strung out in addiction, they said. And he knew maybe his last-ditch effort. Maybe, I don't know. I'm imagining the scenario in my head. He said, i got to go to church and maybe get these voices out of my head. Where can I go? Oh, that crazy action church, I can go there. And he came here. Or maybe he wasn't the one who came. Maybe she was the one who came. And maybe she knew she was in a bad situation. And maybe she needed some peace. And maybe she was looking for something. And maybe she came here. And maybe that Sunday before she met God that day, because there was a church that existed where she knew she'd be welcome. I, I didn't look at it as we dropped the ball. I look at it as, thank God we created a place that people that listen, I don't understand what they're going through. And it's easy for me to judge. And it's easy for me not to understand. But they still felt comfortable enough to come in here because they knew they'd be accepted. That's the kind of church we always should be. The main thing has to be the main thing. We started this church for people like that guy. We say that guy's a piece of, yeah, I understand, I get it. Can I tell you something? There's times in my life I've been a piece of. I've never murdered anybody. Let's not get that rumor going. <laughs> Lord God. I ain't going to lie, though, I thought about it. Thoughts crossed my mind a couple of times. I've done some horrible things to some people. And thank God that we got a God who loves me. It's just funny, grace is always for us. But we classify who gets it on the other end. 
forgiveness, boy, it's always for us. Thank God for forgiveness. Oh, God can't forgive them. Thank God for a church where a screwed up pastor can come. And thank God for a church where a screwed up worship leader can come. And thank God for a church where a really screwed up drummer can come. And thank God for a church full of screwed up children's workers over there who are willing to work at 80 degree heat. I forgot I got to speed up today. So listen. (laughs) Nothing else matters. And along those lines, I need you to understand two things that go along with that in case you're wondering why this church exists. And maybe you'll say today this ain't the church for you. God bless you. But you'll, I need you to know why we exist. I need you to know we ain't changing to keep you. If this ain't the church for you, tell me what you're looking for. And we'll, we'll do everything in our power to point you in the direction of a church that fits your needs. But the main thing is the main thing. And you need to understand something. Number one, we will do everything short of sin to reach people. We will do everything short of sin to reach people. You say, this is an unorthodox church. It's an unorthodox church. I get it. We don't do things that everyone else does. We're willing to take risks and we're willing to take chances and we're willing to go all out and do some stuff. Because, listen, we're going to do everything short of sin to reach people. Because, listen, we believe, get past the rock and roll music and the lights and the, and the good-looking sexy preacher and all the things that go on here, at the end of the day, we believe heaven's a real place and we believe hell's a real place. And we believe people who die without knowing Jesus Christ will bust the gates of hell wide open. And I can't sleep at night knowing that people I love and people I do life with might die not knowing Jesus. So I'm sorry if it don't look like your grandma's church. Or I'm sorry that it don't look like what you grew up. No, no, no. I'm not sorry. Because if those churches were reaching you, you'd be at those churches and not here. You say those churches, I'm not not saying anything bad about those churches. I'm simply saying, for whatever reason, that church didn't connect with you. And you're here today. That means we're going to try some things that might make you uncomfortable. We're going to push the envelope sometimes. I went Facebook Live during the band practice today and they were playing a Metallica song. It wasn't 10 seconds and I had a private message. How is that glorifying God? Well, it's glorifying God because when you use your talents for God, it glorifies God. It glorifies God because here's the deal. When you leave here in three weeks from now, you're listening to the river and that song comes through and you're like, crap, I forgot, man. That church I go to, nothing else matters. You know what I mean? Jesus used examples all over of that. He talked about sheep and fig trees and all kinds of things that were relevant. And if Jesus was here today, he'd be using movie clips and songs and talking about all the things that are relevant. Because here's the deal. I'm not a good enough preacher for you to remember my message. But that band's a good enough band that when you hear that song out in public, you're always going to remember this message as a result of it. We'll do anything short of sin to reach people. second thing you need to realize is this is to reach people no one else is reaching. You've got to do what no one else is doing. To reach people no one else is reaching must do what no one else is doing. If we were going to do church like every other church, we'd reach the same people they're reaching. And if they're reaching them people, they don't need to be reached. So what's the point in us doing? This is too much work. I like hanging out with everybody on Sunday. Cool, let's go find a church and join it together. Let's go every Sunday. That way I can show up late and we can hang out and sing Kumbaya and go eat at Buffalo's afterwards. (laughs) Sounds great to me. Like if you want to hang out, I love hanging out with you. But this is too much work to do it like everyone else is doing it. Someone said, I said, are you one of them contemporary churches? I said, I, don't, I think we're past contemporary. I don't know what you call us. 
What, what do you mean? I said, I don't really know how, you, I don't know what you call it. And they said, well, what about worship? And they named some worship bands. I don't really listen to worship. I said, I said, I don't know what we are. I said, well, we got this long-haired guy who plays in a real popular bar band, and he loves Jesus, and we got these guys that play guitar, and they're looking like, and, like, I don't, and they said, well, what, what, what's your church? I said, I don't know. It kind of feels more like a bar than a church, minus the alcohol, and people just love Jesus. And, and, like, it was funny because, like, for the first time, I was like, I don't really know how to describe this place. It's kind of weird, you know? But to reach people no one else is reaching, you've got to do what no one else is doing. That's important. Anything short of sin, we'll do it. Got to do what no one else is doing. Uh, there's a great story. I'm going to be real quick, and we're going to move on. A few days later, this example of people doing whatever it takes. Jesus again entered Capernaum, and as the people heard that he had come, they gathered again, such a large crowd. I don't like large churches. Well, you wouldn't like Jesus. He had large crowds everywhere he went. They were large numbers. There was, there was so many people gathered around, there was no room left, not even outside the door. So he's in a house. The house is slammed. All around the house is slammed. People are like, man, i got to hear this dude. There's something different about him. Bam, he hangs out with sinners. i got to hear it. So men came. Bringing to him a paralyzed man, man, carried by four of them. So a guy's on a stretcher. He can't walk. There's a guy on this end, guy on this end, guy on this end, and a guy on this end. They're like, man, we've heard about Jesus. We've heard he makes the blind see, makes the lame walk, crap, even raises the dead. We've got to get our friend to him, and that's a good friend. I love that man so much. They said, man, we've got to get him to Jesus. Some men came bringing a paralyzed man, carried him. Since they could not get him to Jesus. They couldn't get him to Jesus because there were so many people. I got to be honest. I think I'm a good friend. I'd be like, oh, crap, we tried. <laughs> I did more than anybody else did. We tried. Uh, look what they did, though. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of crap, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it. And they lowered the man the mat, the mat the man was laying on. I want you to picture this scene with me. Jesus is in a house teaching. Mud hut, whatever it is, mud roof. Crowds are everywhere. These guys are walking along. Crap, we can't get Jesus. Now listen. You know what it was. What are we going to do? Hold my beer. I'm going up on the roof. What? We got one shot to get him to Jesus. I don't know when he's crossing this way again. What no Facebook to watch him on Facebook Live. It was their one and only shot. And they wasn't leaving without getting their friend to Jesus. Hold my beer, watch this. Jesus in the house teaching. All of a sudden stuff starts falling down. He's like, what? The guys are on the roof working on the AC right now. I tried to talk them into lowering down for a sermon illustration today. They looked at me like I was crazy. They come through the roof and got their friend to Jesus. They did whatever it took to get their friend to Jesus. We have a responsibility. He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Nothing else matters. It's, I know, listen, listen, I, I, we hate that word Responsibility. We have a responsibility to get our friends that don't know Christ to Christ. I use this illustration all the time. I know you get sick of it. If it was September 10th and you knew they were going to crash into those trade towers, you'd run around that morning doing whatever it took to keep people from going in that building. 
You wouldn't care if they thought you were crazy. You wouldn't care if they thought you were nuts. You wouldn't care if they thought you were a Jesus freak. You'd do whatever it took. You've got friends that are on their way to a devil's hell. You've got people who are dying and don't know God. You've got people who feel like they're not accepted in church because they don't know a place like Action Church exists. And it's our responsibility to do whatever it takes. So to do that, we've got to do anything short of sin. And to do that, we've got to do what no one else is doing. But they give us a couple of things here, and I'm done, I promise you. In order to reach people, we have to bear their burdens. So men came bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. They carried the burden of their friend. It broke their heart that their friend couldn't walk. They felt his pain. We're too busy judging people for their pain. We're too busy to worry about people's pain because we're too busy saying, told you so. Told you not to marry him. He was no good. <laughs> well, you know, they knew, the, they knew the problem with drugs when they started. I told them if they let their kids do whatever they want, that's what their kids would do when they grew up. No, We're so busy trying to prove to people that we were right and they were wrong that we no longer bear the burdens anymore. And I'm sorry you're strung out in addiction. Yeah, it's your fault. We ain't got to say that. We can just thank it. I'm here for you. Man, I hate that you're dealing with those finances. I hate that you're dealing with that with your kids. We have got to bear the burdens of other people if we're going to reach people. People don't care what you know until they know that you care. The church for so long has been like, hey, here's Jesus, here's Jesus, here's Jesus. And we're like, who are these people shoving Jesus? I don't even know them. They don't even care about me. It's our job to love people. It's our job to meet people right where they are. Are. They met that man right there. They met him where he was. They went and bared his birth. They said, man, we're going to do this for you. In order to reach people, we, we got to break some rules. we got to break some rules. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof. About Jesus dug through it, and they lowered the man on the mat that he was lying on. If we're going to reach people, no one else is reaching Gotta be willing to break some rules. Let me tell you what happens when you break rules. Sometimes it ain't gonna go well. We're gonna try some things around here and it ain't gonna work. It's okay. It's okay. We tried. We're gonna try some things around here that make you uncomfortable and that you don't necessarily agree with if it was you doing it. That's okay too. We do things that are uncomfortable to me. What? Yeah. I had an idea brought to me this week. I ain't going to share it with you because I don't want to have another needle incident on our hands. <laughs> Made me uncomfortable. But I dug it and I liked it. We're probably going to do it. I just ain't going to post about it this time. <laughs> it's okay. And here's the funny thing about it being okay. If the thing that made you uncomfortable was the thing that had to reach... Your son that was far from God? Or your husband who was far from God? Or your granddaughter who was far from God? You'd be all for it. You'd be all for it. 
I'll never forget being in the Waffle House one day. I'm sitting in a booth, and this lady comes up to me. She walks in with her son, and I knew her son from a long time ago. And when I met her son, man, he was strung out. He was in rough shape, and he was probably 10, 12 years ago. And just, man, for whatever me and him connected, he was a fireman here locally, and I connected with him. Man, he gave his heart to Jesus, and, man, he got clean. He's still clean to this day. He got married. He got, it was great. And he walked in. He said, man, Pastor Gary, I haven't seen you in forever. It's my mom. He said, man, it's so nice to meet you. And she starts crying. Thank you so much, blah, 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 blah. I said, oh, that's just, God did all that. I'm just the idiot he chose to use. We laughed. She went and sat down. Came time to leave. I had shorts on. She saw that I had my whole leg tattooed. She's like, you got a tattoo? I said, yeah. And she began to yell at me, yell at me. About the evils of tattoo and what a disgrace I was and blah, blah, blah. And I looked at her and said, boy, I said, that tattoo didn't stop me from being used to God to help your son. And I got to give her credit. Instantly, she stopped. She was like, please forgive me. You're so right. I am so sorry. Ain't it funny how her convictions are so strong to realize, man, whoa, wait a minute. My son's where he is today because God chose to use this idiot. If it was your person... You want us to break some rules. We're always going to break rules around here. We're not going to apologize. And breaking the rules is going to go wrong sometimes. It's okay. Nothing else matters. We're reaching people for Jesus. I'm done right here. We're going home. When Jesus saw whose faith? You can do better than that. When Jesus saw whose faith? Not the man's faith, the paralyzed man. When Jesus saw the four men who brought that man to Jesus' faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. I wonder how many of your friends, co-workers, family members that don't know Christ will never meet Christ I'm not trying to guilt you here today. I'm just giving you a fact. We'll never meet Christ because you don't have enough faith to get them to Christ. He didn't heal the paralyzed man because of the paralyzed man's faith. He healed him because the men got him to Jesus. I wonder if that person in your life that you've been praying for and thinking about, they're just waiting for you to get them to church are waiting for you to do whatever. Give them an environment where they can accept Christ and Christ is like, man, your faith will get them. We have a responsibility and nothing else matters.